Thanks for joining us for today's message. Here at Temple Baptist, we're a church on a mission, connecting people to Jesus and to one another. Well, we are in the middle of our summer series, and we are looking into this incredible concept that tells us that a flawless God uses flawed people. It really is incredible when you think about it for a while, that a God who is flawless, a God who is righteous and holy and just, the creator of all that we see, uses people who are flawed, who are not holy, who are not just, who are flawed. And it's just exciting to be able to see that. And this morning, we're going to look at another one of these people that we see in the Bible. And the purpose for looking at all these flawed people is not to point out their flaws to make us feel good. It's to recognize that they are flawed like we are flawed. And yet they were used by God, and so we can be used by God as well. So today, we're going to look at one of Jesus' disciples. One of the men that he asked to go to come and leave what he was doing and follow him. And yet he was a flawed man. We're going to look at Peter. Peter, like I said earlier, he was the one of the fishermen that Jesus went to. Jesus went out of his way. He, he intentionally went to Peter and he said to Peter and to James and to John, the fishermen, he said, leave your nets and come and follow me and I'm going to teach you how to fish for men. And Peter did that. Peter is the one, and I'm not sure if um, you remember this specifically, but maybe this might be new to you, that Peter's mother-in-law, Peter got a chance to experience Jesus' healing power fairly early on in the book of Matthew, in the account of Jesus' life in the book of Matthew. I think it was chapter 8 where Peter's mother-in-law was very sick, and Jesus came and healed her, and she got up immediately, and Peter was able to see the power of Jesus. So we're going to look at this disciple, this man, Peter. We're going to look at it in two different segments. The first part of the record of his life is the time that he spent with Jesus, all the way up until really what was the defining moment of his life, the time of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. So we're going to look at what Peter was like up until that defining time period, and then what he was like afterward. And so hopefully we're going to be able to see that even though we recognize that he was flawed, we're going to see that God, a flawless God, was able to use him. So let's look first at what Peter was like. I think one of the best ways to describe Peter at the very beginning in the first part of the record of his life is impulsive. Peter was the one to speak up very often. There, were times, there was a time when there was a miraculous catch of fish because of what Jesus had done. And there was a boat that was overladen with the amount of catch and they had to ask their friends in another boat to come over to help them and it was a, after they realized it was Jesus that had given them that that Peter went out of the boat went to Jesus and, and just went down on his knees in front of him and he said Jesus you have to go away from me because I'm a sinful man he would just say things that he knew was true or th say things that he thought say things sometimes that just came to mind there was a time also when Jesus was walking through a crowd and there was a, a lady who was in this really dense crowd and this lady touched a portion, portion of his robe and received healing from just the faith that she expressed in touching the robe. And Jesus, in the middle of the crowd where he was being jostled and pushed around and bumped into, he stopped and said, who touched me? And it was Peter, the one that spoke up and said, Jesus, we're in a crowd. 
how would you know, like, how would we know who touched you? We're just bumping. It was Peter that was willing just to speak up and speak up all the time. Saying that there's a crowd, how are we supposed to know who, who, who touched you? And there was a time when Jesus was trying to teach his disciples, his followers, to be servants. And so he said, I'm going to wash your feet. And there was one disciple who said no. Who do you think that was? That's right, it was Peter. Peter said, no, you, you shouldn't be washing my feet. Well, Jesus had to engage him in conversation and explain what the purpose was. It was to show him that servanthood was uh, not beyond anybody. It wasn't above, it wasn't below, beneath anybody. So Peter's response, because Jesus said, well, if I don't wash your feet, then you're really not, you don't understand, and you're not really part of me. And so G Peter, without thinking again, he said, well, just wash me all, wash all of me. And Jesus had to explain, well, you don't get it. It's really about washing feet. And so, but Peter was the one who would often speak up. There was a time, I think we can even say that not only would he just speak up to say the things, but he would speak out and be more contentious maybe in some of his words. There was a time when Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And the disciples answered him and said, some people think you're this prophet, some people think you're another prophet, some people think you're someone else. And then Jesus turned to Peter and asked him, well, who do you think who do you think I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. You are the Messiah. And so sometimes Peter would speak out and he would speak truth and he would speak words of wisdom. But he was one that was always willing to speak. That's for sure. He was always, he was never at a loss for words. There was a time when right near the time where Jesus was going to be arrested and, and tried and convicted and crucified. It was just before that time when, as the group were together, Peter and the disciples and Jesus. And Jesus said that one of the people that were following him was going to betray him. And then he said also that someone was going to, that people were going to turn, everybody else was going to stop following him. And Peter is the one that spoke up and said, not me. I won't stop following you. I'll never turn away. And Jesus told him that day, before this night is over, you're going to deny me three times. But Peter was willing to speak up and speak out. And there was another opportunity, I think, just to get an idea of what he was like, that um, there was a time when Jesus, right after that, when Jesus said, you, Peter, are going to betray me, we get a glimpse of what Jesus thought of Peter. If I knew there was someone that was going to betray me, I would keep them at a distance. If there was someone I knew that was going to betray me, I would not trust them because I knew they weren't trustworthy. But for Jesus, right after he had said those words, that Peter, you're going to deny me. They were in a garden and he wanted, Jesus wanted to go into a quiet place and pray and he took three disciples with him. One of those was Peter. Right after he had told Peter that I know that you're going to deny me later tonight. Amazing that we get an idea of how Jesus thinks of Peter. Even though Peter is flawed, even though he knows that very soon Peter will deny him, still Jesus has a plan for Peter. Isn't that nice to know that Jesus has a plan for flawed people? His flawed followers he doesn't leave behind. When he knows they're going to make a mistake, when he knows they're going to do something they shouldn't do, he doesn't discard them. He still follows through with his plan for them. And we also know that Peter would react without considering circumstances. Not only would he speak up, not only would he speak out, but he would react to situations. 
There was a time, and I, sometimes it was positive and sometimes it was negative, but it just shows you his personality, what he was like, very impulsive. There was a time when they saw Jesus walking on, a water, on the water at a distance. And one disciple, after they decided they, they knew for sure if it was Jesus, in fact, it was Peter that called out. He's the one that spoke up. Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you. And Jesus answered. He says, come. And then what did Peter do? Impulsively, he just got down out of the boat and he came to Jesus, walked on water. If you want to read that in uh, Matthew chapter 14, you see that he walked on water for a little while and there's more, more lessons to learn from that situation. There was another time where Jesus was standing on the shore and the disciples didn't know that it was Jesus. And Jesus calls out to them and says, haven't you caught any fish? And they said, no. And, and he said, just throw your net on the other side. And that was an act of faith. And so the disciples threw their net on the other side and there was such a big catch that they, they had a difficulty bringing it in. And at that point, they recognized it was Jesus and Peter jumped out of the boat and made his way into shore. Jesus wanted to be, go, be with Jesus. He just wanted to go. He left the rest of the disciples. It says that the rest of the disciples followed in the boat. They had to work with all the other things that he left behind. But he was very impulsive. And then we see the fulfillment of what Jesus predicted. That when Peter was confronted with, hey, don't you know this man that's being arrested and that's under trial, that, that where he's being accused of these things, don't you know him? Aren't you with him? Three times that night, Peter disowned and denied that he knew Jesus. So there's a man that will act and react regarding, regardless of what the circumstances might be, regardless of what the consequences might be. And then there was a time where, this is how bold he sometimes was. There was a time where it says that Jesus was trying to explain to his disciples that he would have to suffer and that he would have to die and that he would be raised again. And it says that Peter took him aside and started to rebuke him, to correct Jesus. The one he said was the Messiah, the son of the living God. He said, no, Jesus, let's, uh, I, I know, I don't think you got this straight. You can't die. You can't do any of these things that you're trying to tell us that you're going to do. And Jesus had to put him in his place. But Peter was willing to step up and jump up and say things and do things just on an impulse. And then there was a time, though, again, another hint at how God reacts to his followers, even though they are flawed, even though they are imperfect. There was, a, after Jesus had been crucified, the women, three of the women were, went to the tomb, presumably to, they were trying to figure out how the stone could be rolled away so that they could work on dressing Jesus' body. And they got there and the stone had been rolled away and there was an angel sitting on top of the tomb. And among the things during that conversation, he said, go and tell the disciples. But he said, go and tell the disciples and Peter. Explicitly, expressly including Peter, even though he was the one that had so recently denied. And denied in a public way. And yet we can see that God used Peter. During this time and even after this, God used Peter. God didn't say, that's it. I've had it. That's enough. I can't use him anymore. I can't stand it anymore. He's denied me. He's done this and he's done that. There was a time when Jesus was being arrested. Peter had a sword at his side. It's really not a great idea if you tend to be an impulsive person to carry a weapon. I think, I think like, that's a pretty safe assumption. But Peter, an impulsive man, had a weapon at his side. He had his sword. There was a group that came and the high priest came 
to arrest Jesus. And the high priest's servant was there as well. And Peter grabbed his sword and he lopped off the ear of the high priest's servant. And Jesus had to intervene. And Jesus actually healed in that situation as well. But there's Peter acting and reacting, not thinking about consequences. And God doesn't say, that's it, I've had it with him. I can't use him anymore. There's nothing more to be done. I have to discard him. I have to move on to someone else. God does not say that. God used him. But in this specific time frame where Jesus was arrested and tried and convicted and falsely convicted and sentenced to death and crucified and he died and he was buried. During that time, him, his disciples, Peter included, were disillusioned. They thought we had it wrong. Maybe this wasn't the Messiah. And they were hiding out of fear for what was going to happen to them because their leader was gone. And yet, right after that, when they found out that he was alive, the women came back and said, he's alive, the tomb's empty. Who do you think got up first and ran? Who do you think ran to the tomb? It was Peter. Peter ran to the tomb, and he saw that the tomb was empty. And it was right around those, that time that Peter really understood and really believed that Jesus was the Messiah, that he was the son of the living God, that he was the one who conquered death, that he was the one who was going to provide forgiveness for sins, for the entire world, whoever believes. And so at this point in his life, he's now following Jesus out of faith and conviction that he is the Son of God. And he's under control of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 4, it talks about under the control of the Holy Spirit, Peter did this. And so it's interesting to me that God doesn't change him in the sense of change his personality. He's still kind of got that aggressive nature to him. He's got the willingness to step right in and jump right in. But now he's under control of the Holy Spirit. So he still has boldness. He still, has, he still is the way God created him, but he's under control. And I want you to see what, how Peter was used by God in just a few different instances, a few examples. Peter is up and he's addressing the crowd. It says Peter and the eleven. It says Peter and the disciples. And Peter's up there and he raises his voice and he says, Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. And he goes on to explain and down further on in Acts chapter 2, down in verse 22, it says, Fellow Israelites, listen to this. And think how impulsive and how aggressive Peter was before. And I think we can still see that now. But he's doing and he's saying what God wants him to do. Listen, he goes, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was accredited to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him, and as you yourselves know, this man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. He's pretty direct. Peter hasn't lost who he was, but he's doing what God wants now, and still has that boldness that God created him to have. And it says, but God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep, to keep its hold of him. Fellow Israelites, he, wrote, he says, I can tell you confidently, God has raised this Jesus to life and we are all witnesses of this. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. Therefore, let all Israel, Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. That's pretty strong. That's pretty direct. That's Peter still speaking up. That's Peter still speaking out. 
That's Peter still not really considering the consequences of his actions, but under control of the Holy Spirit doing what God wants him to do. It's interesting to see the response. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. God used Peter, that flawed man who had done all of those things, who had said all of those things. It says that they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the apostles, what, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter's the one that replied. It says, Peter replied and says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And in verse 41, it says, those who were accepted his message and were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. 3,000 were added to their number. You think God couldn't use Peter? He used Peter. He used Peter to do miraculous things. There are many other examples where Peter's before another group, the Sanhedrin, and he had been arrested with another disciple. He had been arrested, and they said, what's happening, and this is what, what's your message, and he told them what the message was, and they kept him, and they, and they sort of got their counsel together and discussed what they should do, and they brought, them back, brought Peter back before them and said, you've got to stop. You've got to stop doing what you're doing. Stop speaking and stop preaching in the name of Jesus. And Peter says, and John who was with him, they both replied, which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to listen to him? You be the judge. And he says, as for we, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Peter didn't lose his confidence. He didn't lose that part of his nature, how he was created, but it was controlled. It was brought under control through the power of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit in his life. And as a result, many people, many people were affected by Peter. There are places where it talks about Peter and people just recognizing that he was so close to God. They felt like he was so close to God that they just wanted to fall under his shadow and thought that he, they would be healed just because of the power that would come out of him because of that. There's God using a flawed man. There's God using Peter. And I think I have to just pause for a moment this isn't an excuse for us to say, well, God made me that way, so that's the way I'm going to be. As though we don't need to change anything about ourselves. But we do need to recognize how God made us and then realize how God wants us to use what, what he's made in us. And that's what he did with Peter. And I think we sometimes think that God can't use us. Either we're flawed, or maybe our flaw is that we don't have very much confidence or maybe our faith is too small and we don't really, we're not 100% sure that God can do what he says he can do. Maybe we've got all these things that are holding us back and holding us down and stopping us, hindering us from doing and following God and doing what he wants us to do. And maybe you think that God can't use you for big things. Let me give you an example of a small thing that can turn into a big thing. There's a Canadian blogger by the name of Kyle McDonald. And back in 2005... He decided he would take that game that you played as kids called Bigger and Better. I don't know if you've ever played that, where you, you get something small, and then you go around and you trade it, find someone to trade something else, and you need to trade it up. You need to trade for bigger, or you need to trade for better. And then you have a limited time frame, and then at the end, everybody comes back and see who traded. Everybody started with the same thing, and see who traded up the highest, who, who got the most for keeping trading. Well, Kyle decided that he would start with something small. It was just a red paperclip. 
he decided he would start with a red paperclip. And within a year, he went through this progression. And it's not important, the specifics of it. But I want you to understand the little thing that he started with and the big thing that he ended up with. He traded in July 14th of 2005, he traded that red paperclip for a fish-shaped pen. Not a big upgrade, but an upgrade nonetheless. But through the next, there was 14 trades that he did. He went from that to a hand-sculpted doorknob, and then to a Coleman camp stove, a Honda generator, and then what was called an instant party, which consisted of an empty keg with an IOU to fill it with something and a, and a, a neon Budweiser sign. Then he traded that for a snowmobile, and then he traded that for a two-person trip to a place in B.C., and then he traded one of those, he kept one, he traded one of those tickets for uh, something else. A, uh, a, that was, that, sorry, he traded that second spot on that trip for a box truck. And then he traded that box truck for something else. He traded that for a year's rent in, no, sorry, he traded the box truck for a recording contract, an audio recording contract. And then he retraded the recording contract for a year's rent in a place in Phoenix, Arizona. And then after that, he traded that for an afternoon with Alice Cooper. And then after that, he traded the afternoon with Alice Cooper for a KISS motorized snow globe. I don't know if that was up or down, but that's what he traded it for. And then he traded that for a role in a Corbin Burnson film. And then he traded that role in the Corman Burnson film called Donna On Demand. He traded that a year later altogether in July 5th, 2006 for a two-story farmhouse in Kipling, Saskatchewan. He went from something small and insignificant, like a little red paperclip. This is a little red paperclip. If you're watching on a very small screen like your phone or maybe first-generation iPod Touch, you might not be able to see this. This is a little red paperclip. And that's what Kyle used, and he traded up, and he traded up, and he went bigger and better and bigger and better, and ended up with a two-story farmhouse in Kipling, Saskatchewan. If you think God can't use you, if one Canadian blogger can use a red paperclip and get all of that out of it, who are we to think that an almighty God can't use flawed people like us to accomplish the great things that he has in store for us? Thanks for listening, and consider joining us live on Sundays at 9.15 and 11 a.m. For our address, directions, and any other information, find us online at templebaptist.com. There's no